we will be reading chapter, chapters 21, verse 22, all the way through chapter 22, verse 5. Revelation 21, 22 to 22, 5. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and its servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. We are starting a new series today. It's called Purpose. And you might be able to hear my voice a little off. Not quite, my voice isn't quite back from my sickness. Um, but more than usual, I, I feel very inadequate to talk about this subject matter. And um, for the next, I don't know, I'm not quite sure how many number of weeks the series is going to be, we're going to talk about what is our purpose what is purpose in life? What, what are we doing? What were we made for? And in this first message, I'm going to talk about a very big topic, which is the very glory of God, because this is what we are made for. We are made for His glory. We are made to glorify Him. And as I, as, I meant, as, I will, as I will reference, we are made to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. And, I'm going to, and over the next several weeks, this is a very big message today, but over the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking this. What does it mean to glorify God and enjoy Him? And this is our deep, most fundamental purpose. And today I'm going to get at this through this extraordinary text, Revelation chapter 20, which is right at the back of your Bible. This is a picture of what the new heavens and the new earth is going to be like when the Lord consummates all of creation unto Him, under the victory of Jesus. And um, this is a, a, a brief picture of this, and as I reference this and a few other passages, 
I'm going to talk about this big subject of the glory of God, and as I usually do, I'll do it in three parts. So here are the parts. Part one, God as a cosmic killjoy. There's a problem. There's a problem of perception about God that I'm going to call the problem of seeing God as the cosmic killjoy. Part two, the reality of the glory of God, glorifying God, and joy. There's a series of connections which I think many people don't quite get. Is that between the glory of God and glorifying God and joy, there's a series of deep connections. Uh, and I hope that, you know, if you've never been taught this before, and if you're just learning this today, that it's just a seed. I hope it's such a powerful seed that it'll start to unfurl something, a really a, a powerful, liberating truth inside of you. Ever since I first learned this, I feel that this is a seed that's just been growing, growing in health throughout my life. And so that is what I want to teach you today in part two. And then part three, to close out my message, I'm going to talk about the Lamb of God and the pathway to glory. Okay. The Lamb of God and the pathway to glory. Um, first, let me just say this. this, this uh, there's a, a problem about the perception about God. And let, let me just put it this way. I'll give you an answer. In the 17th century, some of the, the most godly thinkers gathered together and they put together a document called the Westminster Catechism. And in question number one of the Westminster Catechism, they asked a very important question, and that is, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? That is a... That is 17th century way of saying what is the most fundamental purpose of the human being. That's to say it in the 21st century way. What's the core purpose of what we were here for? What is the chief end of man? Here's the answer that they give, which is very much in keeping with the scripture, which I want to share with you today. It's a very famous answer, and maybe if you've never heard it, it'll be good for you to hear it for the first time. But here's the question. Here's the answer. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the answer they gave. Um, and if I give you that answer, some of you are going to go, and I, I don't see too many of you frowning, but some of you may be frowning inside you going, what does that mean? <laughs> What does that mean to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? And um, before I just even get to this, just notice how this passage, just a quick reference of this passage, notice how this passage presents when all of history and all of creation comes to its fulfillment, here's the picture. There's going to be a glorious city, which the Bible calls the New Jerusalem. And in this city, it says, there's not going to be any sun or moon because the glory of God itself will shine and brightly. And there will be the glory of God and of the Lamb. And this is how we, that city will be shaped. And all the people that live in it, they will be shaped by this glory. It will shine out into their life. And then it goes on to say that every nation, every culture and every people, and we know this, every culture and every people, there's something distinct and different of each culture. Each culture has some strengths and weaknesses, and, and each different culture has different things that are glorious about it. 
And every nation, every culture will bring its glories and honors into the city and set it at the feet of the Lord, at the throne of God. And this is the picture when all of creation comes to its consummation, its fulfillment. This is the picture. This is what we were made for, to have the glory of God string into our life and then in response give back each of the glories and honors that we have and, and contribute it into the city and at, to God. That's the picture. And this is one of the passages where these 17th century theologians, they read this passage and said, this, this is what is the, of the chief, chief end of, of man. Let me just give you a few other passages. Um, Romans 11.36 For from him, that is from God, and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, I mean that's pretty comprehensive. Whether you're eating, whether you're drinking, and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I'll give you um, one more. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the picture. Hmm. But, if, but now let's get to this. If this is, the pic, this is what it's about, we are here to glorify God and then enjoy him, which I don't know if I understand that part. Um, some of you are going, glorify God? What is that? <laughs> And enjoy God. Pastor, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm not a very good Christian. Or I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian. I don't even know how to enjoy God. What does that mean? And just at this first part, I want to just push back on a misconception. There's a lot of different misconceptions about this, but I want to push back on one very common one. And I'm, I'm referencing when I call God this picture that God is really essentially... Um, a cosmic killjoy. I'm getting that phrase from a, a, a very, um, from a, from a, more, a very prominent Bible teacher from a generation ago. His, his name was Josh McDowell, and he said that when many of us think about what it means to be, to glorify God, to engage with God, we think what it means is to be good. Is that what you think it means? I mean, we know that. We're sinners, and all around the world, people are doing evil things, or, or, or they're not Christians, and somehow non-Christians don't glorify God. And so, if we're supposed to believe in Jesus, and know and love God, and worship Him, Him, it doesn't glorifying God mean being really good? <laughs> and so, what we're supposed to be is we're supposed to be good Christians, and we're supposed to be good at knowing the Bible, and good at going to church, and we're supposed to be really good people, and we're just supposed to be the goody, goody, goodest of good. Right? And um, if we do that, then we glorify God. Isn't that what it means? And as soon as we have this kind of idea in our mind, and if we admit it, a lot of us have this kind of idea in our mind, that somehow, aren't these really religious people? They're the ones glorifying God, right? All the churchy people are the ones who are glorifying God. And if, and if that is what glorifying God is like, then the problem is, then God is really boring. If this is what God wants, and if this is what the Bible is saying we're supposed to be doing, then God must be something like a really boring, super boring guy who, as, as, a, as, as Josh McDowell put it, is a cosmic killjoy because 
that's not fun. <laughs> um, it seems like most of us, we take this ideas about going to church and doing all this, uh, this stuff, and it's really not very interesting, and it's not very enjoyable. And if this is what it means to, this is, the, is this really the, the, fun, the, the, the deepest thing we're supposed to do? This fundamental purpose of what we were created for, then, then, then God is this really big, rule-bound, stick-in-the-mud, and if that's all we're supposed to do is to just kind of go after that, then that stinks. And one of the first things I want to say to you is if this is the idea that you have of what glorifying God is like, then I want you to just throw it away <laughs> because it's wrong. That is not glorifying God. I mean, just imagine this. Go to God. Let's glorify. This isn't glorifying. We're supposed to say good things about Him and praise Him and something. So let's come to God and just, yay, God. We come to church and we say, God, you're great. Yay. And, and if we say it that way, you know, people come to church and we say, God, you're, how great is our God. God, you're so great. And if that's the way we do it, Will people think that he's great? Um, is that the way people are going to know that God is great? The way people got, are going to know that God is great is somewhere in us, we have tasted something of his wonders. Um, let me give you a, let, let, me, let me say it to you this way. Um, to glorify God is to be most deeply human. How about that? What is the chief end of being human? The chief end of being human is to be really deeply human. That's what I just said to you. Pastor, that wasn't really very helpful. You just said like the same thing, the same thing. Um, The chief end of being human is to glorify God. The purpose of being human is to be most deeply human. I just said to you the same thing. Do you know that? I just said to you the same thing. Let me say it to you another way. The Bible says, right at the very beginning, we read something from the very end, but right at the very beginning, it says that we were made in the image of God. That's what a human being is. It doesn't say that rocks were made in the image of God. It doesn't say that dogs were made in the image of God. But it does say that human beings were made in the image of God. And what is an image? An image is a reflection. It's a picture of something else. So you go, you look into the mirror, and it images you. And you know what it's supposed to do? All your attributes, and hopefully all your, all your glories are somehow there on the, in the mirror, right? Or at least, but that's, that's not always true. You, know, you see, you're like, okay, I'm really good looking. There you go. All my glories are coming off. What? The mirror. You get something of your glories that's coming. If your hair is looking really good that day and your clothes are like, that's it. Your glories are coming off an image off the mirror. But we also know that um, since we're not only glorious, there's also some of our bad attributes are on there too. You're like, oh gosh, you look really bad today. You're like, oh. The, 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 I'm a little, I haven't shaved or I, I'm not looking too good or I put on some pounds. And we see all that too. But actually the human being was made in our, in, in our fullness, to reflect all of the glorious attributes of God himself. And what is that which is glory? Glory 
is the word, it's like a big G word to say all that is good and beautiful and worthy. All that is good and beautiful and worthy, that is, put that to the nth degree, and that is the glory of God. And what human beings were made to do is we were made to drink all that in and then to reflect it back to him. And there's no way you can reflect it back to him if God is boring and if we don't enjoy it. That's why these 17th century theologians, after they deeply took it in the Bible, they realized we're here to glorify God and enjoy him. Because once we've taken it all in, all that is wonderful and beautiful and worthy in him, and we've taken them, and then, only then, can it come out and we really become most deeply human and honor and glory glorify him. That is something like the biblical picture of what we were intended for. Still, some of you are going, hmm. That's what I imagine some of you are going, because if I was sitting in your place, before I'm about to teach you what I'm about to next teach you, I would have still been like, uh, Pastor, it sounds kind of blah, blah to me. You sound like you're doing like church talk and God talk and like pastor theological talk which is elusive to me, so I'm still not quite getting it. And let me get to the second part of my message. There is a series of connections between the glory of God, glorifying God, and enjoying God and having joy. And um, nobody taught this better than I know of than this guy. His name is John Piper. And he wrote this book. This is the most famous book he ever wrote. And it is probably, it's the first book that put him on the map. And you should all read it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you should all read this book. And if, if you can't get through this book, just at least read the first two chapters. Um, I read this in my first year of, of seminary work. And it was interesting because it wasn't assigned by any of my professors. Um, but when I read this, it knocked my socks off. It really it did a revolution in me. Actually, he was referencing C.S. Lewis, and he learned a lot of this from C.S. Lewis and Jonathan Edwards and Augustine, and of course they all learned this from the scriptures, but um, he started, he referenced this, so I said, you know what, I'm just going to go straight to the horse's mouth, so then I went and got those books, but Lewis said it in a lot of different kind of places, and so Piper put it all into one book. He like distilled that all together and put it into one book. And I want to just give you a piece of that today. Right? And here's what Lewis, this is the part that Piper quotes from C.S. Lewis. In, in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, Lewis, he would read through the Psalms, and the Psalms would again and again say something that Lewis didn't quite understand. It would say, praise the Lord and praise the Lord, which is another way of saying glorify him. Glorify him and praise him. And Lewis just couldn't understand it. It's like saying, why does God constantly, why does the Bible, because that's from God, constantly tell us to praise God? Is God some kind of super egomaniac that always, we always have to fill his ego and tell him how great he is? Is that what's going on? And Lewis chewed on this and prayed on this and meditated on the Psalms for a long time, and then he came to this realization. And here's what I want you to read. Listen. The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. 
I thought about it in terms of compliment or approval or, of, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment, and here's this, all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. You notice this? If there isn't this kind of praise and wonder, there's an enjoyment. We enjoy something. And as soon as we enjoy it, you know what happens? We have to praise it. It happens all the time. And if you don't have this going on in your life, your life is very sad. Are any of you guys watching the um, NBA basketball playoffs? Anybody here watching the playoffs? And eh, Just a handful of you. You should all watch them. <laughs> you know why? Because the best team in basketball right now plays right up the street. They're called the Warriors. And for something like 20 years, the Warriors were terrible. They were awful. They were this tragic comedy that played up the street. Okay, And somehow, through some miraculous stroke, this joke of a team for 20 years is now the, mo- is the best team in basketball. And so, even though I'm not even a big basketball fan, I'm watching every single one of these games. And, and you know what happens? So right now, the best player... On the Warriors is a guy named, some of you, for none of you guys who are basketball fans, his name is Stephen Curry. And Stephen Curry, when you look at him, he doesn't even look like a great basketball player. If he walked into our church and you didn't know that he's one of the greatest basketball players on the planet, you wouldn't know. Okay? Because he looks like a regular dude. He's six foot two, and in basketball terms, that's small. He's kind of a scrawny guy. And he does these crazy things on the basketball court. And, um, and even just when he touches the ball, and you, you, you could you feel the crowd start getting excited. He hasn't even done it yet. He hasn't even done what he does yet, and the crowd starts getting excited. So my, my children, who aren't even big basketball fans, we watched, this, we watched the playoff game um, the other night, and in this game, the Warriors were bad. In the second and third quarters, the Warriors were just terrible. And we were losing. And going to the final portion of the game, we were down by 20 points, which pretty much means you're probably going to lose. Like 98% likely you're going to lose. And, and then some crazy stuff started happening. And by this crazy stroke, the Warriors started coming back. And they came down to three points in the very last seconds. And the ball, of course, went to the best player, Steph Curry. And he launched a shot, and it missed. And the whole time, uh, you know, in our, in my kids are getting really tense. And then they bounced off. And then the only other players grabbed it, grabbed the rebound, tossed it over to Steph Curry. In the, and, the, and the clock is ticking down. The other, this huge dude from the other team comes rushing to him, and he launches this shot. And you know what happens. It, it was crazy. When I watched this game, the first shot when he made it, I wasn't sure it was going to go in, and then it bounced off. Then the, se- the second shot, as soon as he, I couldn't believe he got a second shot, but as soon as he got the second shot, I knew it was going to go in. <laughs> I mean, I just watched this thing arching, arching, arching. It was like time stood still for a split second, and I was getting ready to start screaming. <laughs> 
And then as soon as it splashed right through, you know what started happening? My kids aren't even basketball fans, remember. My son, Hudson, just starts screaming. Ah! He just starts screaming. They're screaming, screaming. It was a crazy moment. You know what was happening there? Praise. That was what was happening. The praise sounded like this. Ah! <laughs> that's what the praise sounded like. <laughs> and so that's what was praise. <laughs> and that's what happens. We see something glorious. We see something good and beautiful and worthy. And it's so incredible. And what happens is spontaneously praise just erupts out of us. And that's from a kid who's not even a real basketball fan. And this is what we do. Um, Lewis says there's praise of weather. There's wines, dishes, actors. You see a movie? You see a movie? People go to Hollywood for the hope of just looking at an actor, <laughs> an actor. I mean, he's not really James Bond. Hello. Indiana Jones is not real, but we just want to see Harrison Ford. Oh, we just want to see him. The glory of Harrison Ford. Because, which isn't really, there's really nothing much glorious about him. It's really the glory of Indiana Jones. But, but we, we, want to, we got to see him. And we got to praise him. And then we have to have award ceremonies so we can praise them even more. And then all the whole world has to watch these award ceremonies so that we can praise them even more. That's what Lewis is saying. Lewis wrote this when the Academy Awards wasn't even that big. And this is what we do. Oh, he goes on. Uh, motors, horses, colleges, colleges. <laughs> I have this sweatshirt that has the name of my college, and I like wearing it. You know what I'm doing? I'm praising my college. I'm enjoying my college. I'm, I'm old now, and I've like, well, you know, kind of forgotten my, what it was like to be back there because it's been 20-plus years. But I like to wear this college and remind myself what it was like when I was young and take in all the glories of my college and let the whole world know my college is, is cool. <laughs> and I'm cool, and I share in the glories of my college, and I want you to radiate and glorify. I'm glorifying my college. I'm praising my college. I'm not wearing the name of some, some school. Let's say there's a school in some kind of town, and, and there's lots of drug dealers in the school, and the kids come out illiterate, and lots of criminals. I'm not wearing the name of that school. I want to name the, wear the name of a school where that, that produces champions, or that produces Nobel Prize winners, or that helps people move on in life and have great, you know, uh, 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 and make their life better. That's what college is for. And this is what we do. You do it. We all do it. Um, I'm wearing <laughs> the, the basketball playoffs started. And remember, Hudson and I are not big basketball fans. So in the middle of the game, <laughs> Hudson goes on to Amazon <laughs> and said, let's, let's get Steph Curry shirts. <laughs> so we're researching Steph Curry shirts because we, 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 we want to wear Steph Curry shirts. I, we do, and we're, I'm going to. Next week, maybe I'll wear it. <laughs> I'll wear it while I preach, just so you can you know, remember this sermon. All right? And you know what I'm doing? I'm glorifying Steph. I didn't say, hey, hey, Hudson, come out there and like bow down to Steph. Steph, Curry, you're the greatest. 
Oh, I love you so much. You're so great. Did we have to, have to, did we have to, tell, did I have to say this to, to Hudson? No, but he, he got on the computer anyway. And he's thinking about blowing 25 bucks, which is a lot of money for that kid, to get a shirt huh? that says curry on it. And um, this is what I, when I'm tired in the middle of the day, you know what I do? I go on to certain sports, sports websites and read articles that I enjoy. And one of my favorite websites is Grantland. And this past week, there was a website, there was an article about Steph Curry. Did I read it? Of course! <laughs> of course I read it. Do you know how many articles there have been about Steph and Curry this, this, this season? Every week, somebody writes an article about Steph Curry. You know what they're doing? Praise, glorifying, praise, glorifying. They have drank in a glory, and now they can't help but praise it. Lewis goes on to say this. <clears throat> my whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable, and he puts valuable in big V, what we delight to do, what we indeed can't help but doing about everything else we value. We value it, we praise it. We enjoy it. But I, I notice we never did that. We don't do this about God. Isn't that crazy? The most valuable, with the big capital V, everything about God should be in capitals. We don't know how to enjoy him. We don't know how to glorify him. Listen to what else he says. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's like until you praise it, somehow it's incomplete. This praising is the appointed consummation. That's how he talks. It's the appointment like fulfillment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. Do you know that? I don't just compliment my wife. Well, okay, I have to compliment my wife. Honey, you look really hot today. I'm a good husband. Is that why I do it? That's not why I do it. According to Lewis, the reason why lovers compliment each other is because there's a glory in the other person which they're enjoying. And the compliment or the praise, the glorying of the other person is actually a completion of the enjoyment itself. So, husbands, boyfriends, the next time you look at your, um, your honey... Her hair looks really good, and she's just like, you see her in that light, and you're like, oh, that's why I married you, right? Say it. And that little boy, you get this little, tiny little piece of the glory, you should go, babe, dude, you are hot. <laughs> I want you right now. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Even if you're clumsy at saying it. And I am. I'm, you know, like, okay, so I know some of you. Oh, Pastor, you're, you're a pastor. You have a big vocabulary, and you're, you're, you're a really articulate person. Actually, to my wife, I'm not. You, you know how I, how I say it to my wife? I go up to her, and sometimes I see her do something that, that, that just, like, that, that, that delights me. 
And I just go, I like you. <laughs> I just like you. Right? I, I did do that. Or sometimes I'm looking at her and I just stare at her with this big smile on my face. And she goes, what are you doing? And she's like, what's the big deal? And I just go, I just like you. <laughs> and you know what I'm doing? I'm praising, I'm glorifying her. Her glory is coming into me. I'm enjoying it. And it's coming off of me. And what am I doing? I'm really just being deeply human. Rocks don't go around doing that. A rock, when's the last time you saw a rock? Turn to the other rock and go, you are a glorious rock. You are bigger than me. You are stronger than me. I wish I was like you. Have you ever seen that happen? Dogs, kinda. But human beings pay money. They use their vacation time. They fly into the middle of a desert. They go to this humongous hole in the ground called the Grand Canyon. And we go there. And then when the sun sets, some people start crying. And then what do they do? They turn to each other and go, isn't that so beautiful? That's what we do. That's being human. Except, you know what we don't know? Actually, if you go to the Grand Canyon, people can feel it. There must be, this must be from God. They can feel it. Sometimes you go to the ocean. I like to do this. On days when I'm feeling beat down from life here in San Jose, or I'm feeling discouraged as a pastor, or I feel like I've been a really crappy husband or, a pa- or a father, what I do is I drive down through the mountains, you know, through the Santa Cruz Mountains, head out to Santa Cruz, and I just sit there. I just sit there and watch the waves roll in. And it's the glorious. And I just tell myself, God made this. And the ocean's so much bigger than me. And I just sit there and I drink it in. And I allow myself to be small and I enjoy. I just enjoy God. And if you were sitting there right next to me, I might start crying with you. And I would say, isn't that incredible? And it's all from God. This is what we were meant to do. Except we don't know how to do it. Because everywhere we look in the world, we see the world. And we see where we see some goodness, we see that goodness. We see, we see Steph Curry, but we don't see God. Okay, let me tell you something strange. When I see Steph Curry, I see God. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's like when I see the ocean, I see the fingerprints of God. I used to just stare at my baby daughter. I used to just stare at her. When Hudson was first born, I used to just stare at his curly hair. I thought, and I just looked at him. I looked at this baby who was the most beautiful thing to me. And he had this weird curly hair, which no Korean child has any business having. <laughs> and I looked at the thing, and I just looked at that curly hair, and I wanted to laugh, and I wanted to cry. And inside, I got this incredible happiness just staring at that curly hair. And you know what? I knew 
It was from God. It was God. I just enjoyed God. And in this moment, it would be like 3 a.m. I had just fed him. I just wiped his rear end. And I would just stare at that hair while he's sleeping. And I knew that I was having a moment. It was between me and my baby boy and God. The glory of God. That's what was happening. And actually, but we just can't see it. All of life is like this. Anytime there's something good and worthy and beautiful, you know all this? It's just a tiny little like fleck of his glory. And when we drink it in and enjoy it and praise him and give reflected back to him, you're being profoundly human that we were meant to be. And we stink at this. We stink at this in so many different ways. Because we know how to enjoy the good food. <laughs> you enjoy the food so much. You ever been to a restaurant? You ever been to a restaurant? And, and the person at the next table enjoyed the food so much, they want to meet the, the chef. I've actually been at, usually it's a fancy restaurant. Because you don't usually do this. In and out. Although I've been tempted to do this in and out. But I've actually watched the person at the next table Look at the chef with awe. And I was thinking, like, are you going to get his autograph? I was thinking, wondering that. It's like, this person is going to ask for that guy's autograph, right? But it's, it's, he just made the food. But what we don't under, what we forget is that guy may have figured out how to put the food, but God invented sweet and sour and savory. And God put all the potentialities in the world so that somebody can come along and then he gave that person the gift to make this thing. And when you're eating that food, and it is so, it, it, is, it is a word we call glorious, right? It is from God. <laughs> Let me close out my message. The Lamb of God. This passage talks about the glory of God and the Lamb. You know why? Because if you don't have the Lamb you won't fully get the glory. There are actually two pathways to the glory of God. And in most of this sermon, I've been talking about the first pathway. It's open to anybody. Just being a human being. Like I said, dogs don't do this. Rocks don't do this. It's human beings who do this because we were meant for this. But it's really the deepest, most beautiful things about God you can't just see only in creation. And until you know what is most glorious about God, then we can begin to overcome this pride and skepticism and selfishness and greed and the way we steal away things from God. You know, we, we praise each other all the time. We praise... We praise Harrison Ford. We praise Steph Curry. We praise, we praise uh, the maker of basketball and the maker of the dish, but not the creator of the food. We're stealing from God all the time, his glory that's due to him. Because we know how to enjoy the good things of the world, but we haven't really gotten down to the deepest glories of God himself. Here's what, the way it puts it. In Hebrews 11... No, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, verse 3. He, 
This is Jesus. Is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. There's a man. His name is Jesus. He looks like a man like you and me. But actually, according to the Bible, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And some of us are thinking, well, that's because he's God, right? Yes and no. Here's the other pathway. In Revelation 21, with the passage that we looked at today, it said there's the glory of God and the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? The Lamb is Jesus. When He was the Son of God, before He was born and laying in a manger, before He lived the life we should have lived, and then before He went to the cross, He was the God-man, but He was not yet the Lamb. It was only until God, who was utterly the highest, who could make universe fly and then just cause us to be in awe and wonder at things like the Grand Canyon or a most exquisitely made dish or even basketball, he who was absolutely most beautiful came and became very, very lowly to become named the Lamb who would be sacrificed on the cross so that all of us who are constantly stealing away from God, and we don't see him, we don't see him, we don't see him, we don't see him. So that he would sacrifice himself as the lamb. And on the other side of the sacrifice will be every glory that I ever said and every glory you've ever tasted on this earth and more. That is the pathway to God. We first take the door through the lamb, and once you begin to drink in the glory of the Lamb through the cross, more and more you can allow the world to be the world in God's hands. Not just the world the way I want it to be, the world, the world that I'm just trying to get something out of, but more and more the, the world as glory through the picture, through the door of the Lamb. And on the other side, There'll be a God who before us is constantly, who's around, whose presence, whose fingertips, his grace and his kindness is for you, not just for the world, but for you and for me. And every piece of goodness you will know is given to us by grace. As we begin to do this, then our hearts will begin to unfurl and we'll drink this in and we'll want to give it back to him. And the world will be healed. <laughs> and we'll be most human. This is the pathway. So brothers and sisters, um, watch the NBA playoffs. <laughs> next round is starting soon. Steph Curry's going to do something really crazy next game. Just watch. And think of Jesus. It's even greater because Steph is, a, is, a, is a, he's even a devout Christian. <laughs> so he's even humble and knows that this gift isn't even about himself, which is, which is like, unlike, say, Michael Jordan, for instance. Right? Um, and this is what we're 
made for. To be washed by the blood of the Lamb. To have all of the glories of God. To drink in the glories of God. To enjoy it. And reflect it back to each other and to Him. And I pray like, as we get into this series, as we talk about this more and more, I know I, I'm just, I feel like I'm just stumbling and babbling to give you this most glorious thing. I pray the seed will grow, grow, grow inside your heart and liberate you from yourself and from our greed and from our pride and, and all our insecurities and fears to know this is what we were made for and redeemed for by the, bland, the Lamb of God and the glory of God. Let's pray. We are a, such a glory-starving people, Lord, that we seek it all the time. But we don't know how to see. Actually, your glory is everywhere. And everything at one point or another will bow down to Jesus. Yes, even food glory and sports glory and work glory and power glory. All that glory will pale in comparison to the glory of the Lamb. How beautiful you must be. Lord, have mercy on us for our blindness, for our crusty hard-heartedness, for all the ways that we run away to all these lesser glories and from you. And teach us, Lord. Teach us through Jesus and the power of your Spirit that every shard of glory that in this world is just but a tiny, tiny little crumb of an appetizer of the beauty and wonders that awaits us on the other side of the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Help us to chase you and know you and drinking of your beauties. And you would set our hearts aflutter and aflame so that we would spontaneously and gladly not only enjoy you so much that we burn to praise you, we burn to enjoy you and consummate this enjoyment by glorifying you and praising you. Lord, it seems too little to say that we compliment you. So we go throughout this world and we know that you shine everywhere. And we thank you for giving this to me, not even just to us, but to me. One day I'll be in the New Jerusalem and every day, no longer There'll be my own bitterness and my own selfishness and my own fear and my own securities. No longer will there be any more curse. I will drink in of your glory all the time, every day. I'll drink in of the glories of the nations and I'll know it's from you all the time, every day. And I will laugh and I will cry and I will dance and enjoyment will pour out of me so bit, so much, I, I can't even think I could stand it. So that I can't help but praise you and enjoy you. And enjoy you by praising you and glorifying you 
forever and ever. The most enjoyable, glad activity. So great and so wonderful, it'll never end. Thank you for making us this way. Thank you for giving this to me through Jesus. In his name we pray.